Hey, hey, welcome to Web3 Weekly with your host, Blockstar Technology. Let's go. Hi, guys. So today we have uh, Ben from Collective Shift. Uh, so um, hi to the uh, Twitter Nation and Insta Nation and all the uh, social media platforms. Um, so uh, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today uh, for your part of our twentieth episode of our podcast today. So my God, it's can't believe like this is our twentieth. Um, so it's really gone by so fast. So uh, today, joining uh, on my left, we have uh, Craig and Charlie and uh, Maureen. So uh, let's get into it. So uh, Ben, uh, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, why don't you give us a little bit of a uh, bit of intro about you, mate. Yeah, awesome, guys, and congrats on 20 episodes. I've just started the podcast myself, and it's uh, bloody hard. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so my name is Ben. I'm from Tasmania originally, currently down here. Uh, my family down here, and uh, my background um, I'm a big sports fan. I got into sports apparel when I was 15. I was manufacturing like sports uniforms out of Pakistan and China and selling them to sporting teams down here in Tassie. So I started that when I was 15, grew that to about mid-six figures. Um, by 17, convinced mum and dad, thankfully, that I uh, could quit school. So they let me quit school and uh, <laughs> followed my pursuit of sports apparel uniforms, which I quickly realised that wasn't that exciting uh, when I found out about uh, this thing called Bitcoin. Uh, so uh, a friend introduced it to me uh, back in early 2017. He, he sent me 100 bucks uh, of Bitcoin and I was just completely blown away. I was like, oh my God, what just happened? Um, and just went down this rabbit hole of uh, trying to learn about this space. And, you know, coming from Tasmania, like I'm not overly book smart necessarily, so it, it was really complicated to try and figure out what this Bitcoin thing was and what's this blockchain and what's DeFi and what's smart contracts and what's like all this stuff in this space. And I couldn't really find a good information source to help me learn about it in a language that I understood. There's a lot of developers, there's a lot of YouTubers pumping all sorts of different stuff. You know, I got scammed, I was buying crappy old coins. You know, we've all been there, we've always learned through the ringer. Uh, and, but I knew this space was really going to be game changing. So I joined a, a crypto company um, in 2017, worked there for three or four years, um, just doing operations, marketing, a few different things, and just really opened my eyes to this space, um, which led me into uh, launching Collective Shift, which is my current company. So we launched that in October, 2020. And we're basically an education and research company for everyday people. So anyone that has a full-time job, they have a family, they have a, you know, a business, for example, and they want to navigate this space, they probably don't have the time to do it themselves. And they probably don't want to uh, go on YouTube and, and trust, you know, necessarily um, some of the people on there, because we've all seen the rug pulls and like, you know, promoting cryptocurrencies and all sorts of stuff that goes on. So we're, we're building a, like a trusted platform. We have a team of six analysts that provide market analysis and really give confidence back to people trying to get in this space so we can help them invest uh, the right way. Awesome, man. Yeah. Because I remember, uh, I think I've seen you pop up maybe mid to late 2018 on, I think it was just like an interview and you were starting Collective Shift at that stage or just talking about... Um, crypto trading in general. So congrats on how far you've come, man. Awesome work, awesome work on that. From the 2017-18 to now, like what's been some funny stories in the industry, Ben, that you've come to, like, <laughs> that you've gone through? I know, um, you know, I, like going through at one stage, Bitcoin down to 3,000, 
ETH at a hundred dollars and we lived through that, traded through that. You yeah. had your business running through that. Give us a um, some funny stories from there, man. Man, twenty eighteen, that was a dark year. You know, I remember us looking at the, uh, the the books and we're like, right, there's not much revenue and there's a lot of expenses. What are we, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, we basically cut, you know, we basically weren't being paid. It was like, you know, work and as we all know, it was like, there was not much interest in the space. And mm-hmm. I think Bitcoin was sitting around six or 7,000. Like, surely it can't get any worse. And then we had that like sharp down to like three and a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think my question, you know, uh, probably three or four times, like, is this really what I want to be doing? Like, this is just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> um, and I'm glad I stuck through it because, you know, it's so easy, I think, to get caught up in the mainstream narrative in, in bear markets. You know, mainstream media love a good story. They love a good crypto negative story. And we've seen it the last year when the price has gone down, especially the whole FTX drama and all the other stuff that's gone on. Media really grapple onto it. But, you know, what's fascinating about crypto and probably what I've learned so much about this space is just human psychology and how fast it changes how much of a sheep mentality people have when mm. they don't know enough about this space. If you go back to you know November, December, just like two or three months ago, this space was super bearish. You know, people were going, it's going to zero, it's a scam, people wouldn't even consider it, right? All of a sudden, we've had a 25% increase in a week, and all of a sudden there's FOMO back and people, you know, think they missed the boat again. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Crypto really, I think, you know, gets into the human psychology because anyone can invest, it's 24-7, and you're in complete control. You don't have to have a financial advisor. You don't have to be an accredited investor. You don't have to have all these like minimum requirements. Anyone can do it. And I think that's the most exciting thing about crypto. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you, man. This market, like if you're not in it for the long term and like I went down my rabbit hole of like margin trading on BitMEX and Binance, FTX, and this market will chew you up and spit you out. Like you can be the best trader in the world and yeah, the winners seem to be the hodlers, people that just buy and play it out, yeah. play it out. <laughs> my uh, my worst investing mistake would have been, so I went to DevCon, the Ethereum conference back in 2018, and, and Kane Warwick was talking about what is now synthetics. It wasn't called synthetics back then, it was called Haven. Yeah. And this was like a sub $5 million market cap, you know, currency at the time. And I was listening to him going, oh my goodness, it's going to be massive. Bought a heap of Haven back then. Didn't do anything. The price didn't do anything like for six to eight months. I'm like, all oh, right, the bad choice. You know, this is boring. Sold all of it, and literally, like, probably a few months later, they, you know, they migrated into synthetics, and now it's like a, oh, I don't know what it is now, hundreds of millions on market <laughs> yeah. Not, I think it hit over a billion dollars at one stage. <laughs> yeah. And you sort of look back at the napkin. It's like, oh, that's uh, that could have been. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, you know, that's the, that's the lessons you learn in crypto. Like, it's um, you've got to be patient. I think hodling is the best game. I personally don't trade. I think I'd be a terrible, terrible trade. I'm too emotional. Um, so I, I tend to just hold hold on. And um, that's what we try to teach Collective Shift. You know, it's like holding good assets, dog cost averaging, building up your portfolio, and, you know, sitting in the, sitting yourself up. I don't think you can go wrong over the, like a four to five year period if you're getting mm-hmm. in now. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Ben, you know, you just touched base on like you start on Bitcoin. Uh, you heard about Bitcoin and uh, you pivoted from um, apparel to crypto. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be just like, oh, oh, I heard about Bitcoin. Let me jump on Bitcoin. So what what was the inflection point for you to leave your apparel business that you started in your school and, you know, you had manufacturing, you know, in, you know, just a bit of a, a procurement operation, right? 
And so what really, what was that, um, what you call the inspiration point that for you to just say, okay, I'm gonna go all in crypto. What really made you that? What was the shift? Oh, wow, yeah. What was the shift in there? <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, so when I was running my sportswear apparel company, I was sending Australian dollars to China and I had to send it through some, like the bank wouldn't do it. I had to do it through some international transfer thing. Mm. I'd have to send it to US dollars and then to Chinese uh, yuan. And it would take like weeks to arrive. It, it'd be like a four or five percent fee plus yeah. they'd take a clip on the exchange rate. I'm like, what is going on? Like, this is ridiculous. Yes. And it was delaying the time I could produce the goods to our clients. So our clients were getting shitty because they weren't getting their, their garments in time. And mm. it's like, well, I'm waiting for the money to arrive so the factory can send it. And I think it was just at that time when you know, I sit down with my friend, he's like showing me this thing on Bitcoin and I downloaded the Coinbase wallet. He's like, watch this. He just sent me a hundred dollars and like that. It just landed. Wow. I was like, holy moly, what just happened? Yes. <laughs> and uh, that was the real starting point. And then as I went down, I started to question. And, and uh, I think the rabbit hole for me opened up when I started to question things like, you know, fair currency. What, you know, why is the money in our wallet worth what it is? How does it create that value? Why does the government get to decide what the value is? Why do they get to print money? How does that work? Can you just print money out of thin air? Mm. Hold up, is that legal? Why isn't anyone talking about this? Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> completely went down that whole um, journey. And, I'm, and I think the thing for me was the fact that so many people just don't know what's actually going on in the fair currency. Like look at what inflation's done over the last couple of years. Look at the cost of living. Look at like property prices. And mm. this is real. Like I was talking to some friends here in Tasmania, like they're talking about how much their grocery bill now is, you know, compared to a couple of years ago. It yeah. is extraordinarily higher, but yet, uh, you know, employment and wages and salaries aren't necessarily increasing. So the purchasing power of holding cash is continues to decrease. Yeah. So this thing called, you know, Bitcoin, when I learned, you know, the idea of it's limited supply, uh, it's not controlled by anybody, you know, it's completely your money. It has these deflationary mechanisms like, it, and, and it's code and software that I understood, not people and humans making decisions. That was just like, okay, this thing's going to be massive. Why Why don't more people know about this? Mm, I mean, that's it. Yeah, I mean, go ahead. So I was just going to ask, did, did, I'm assuming that you were then looking at Bitcoin as a way, as, as a method of paying your supply. Did they accept Bitcoin at the time or? <laughs> I tried to get them onto it. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, they uh, keen to get set up back in 2017. I think stable coins now they probably would. So yeah. we yeah, we have a few employees over um, uh, overseas that we pay. You know, depending on what they want, some some guys want uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, some want stable coins. Back then they weren't uh, too open about it, but you know I think stable coins as a method of payment now is is, is really exciting. Like the yeah. you know the ability because you still have that volatility in Bitcoin, and I guess that for some people that don't want to hold that asset as that volatility, they pay mm. stable coins are great yeah. alternative. So. Um, yeah, I, I think you know blockchain payments as a as a like a payments layer. You know whether it be on the Lightning Network, whether it's stable coins, whether it's whatever currency. I think is going to be you know, different the way in the future. I mean, who uses cash? Who uses cash now anyway? You know, some shops don't even accept cash yep, anymore, yeah, right? So no. that, that's something inevitable. Exactly. Yeah. That's a, that's a that's a really good point, right? I mean, like this this one this is where like crypto really has the power, right? The cross border payments. I mean, mm. we talk about it, but you know, given that still 
you know, people don't really, they get stuck on that whole price fluctuations, but they're not looking at the benefits of having it. And people think it's more like an investment than a utility. Yeah, well, I'd say that's more us in Western countries. Yeah. But if you go to some third world countries or you've got family in third world countries where you want to transfer that money over to, mm. you get hit with the same things Ben was getting hit with as is running a business with those fees and they might not have a lot of money to support their family and send it back there. But yeah, with crypto, as long as you've got a smartphone and internet, download that wallet, send it across. Yeah. Mm. I mean, um, that's like, you know, and also like having your wealth everything on your phone as well. I mean, that's what I think a lot of people, I have a feeling that, you know, um, more like the exchanges will really, um, the more people get on, I think people will use exchange for about, you know, just to exchange it and they will just come out. I think the more education, I think will come. I think at the moment, a lot of people are getting hurt because we are still learning. People who are coming in and learning. I think yeah. the far, you know, the, there'll be time like the far majority that gone through the, uh, ups and downs with the whole the exchanges there'll be a lot of outside and they'll be like okay no this you use the exchange for the purpose of exchange not to don't oh, not to hold you know correct. Yeah. yeah they need to be used as a as a buying and selling mechanism not a bank i think that's what we got into trouble yeah. last year yeah. and i think to be to be fair i think that a lot of the blame does need to go back to the the players like celsius who mm. on their website were promoting themselves as this crypto bank Yes. But for what normal people outside of crypto think about it in a bank, they think about somewhere that's safe, it's secure, it's insured, they're not going to lose their money. But players like Celsius were taking your assets, trying to earn this yield that was not, you know, uh, you know, they weren't going to be consistent in paying that yield back. So their risk got higher than, you know, doing trades and loaning that capital out and it all went belly up. So, yeah, I definitely think exchanges need to be used and the exchanges will always play their part hmm. you know, just buy and sell yeah. but I think the bank and the holding of those assets need to come needs to go back to um well what's yep. there? needs to go back to actually getting your, your cold storage set up yeah yeah 100 um so um the next one I'll talk about is uh Ben um you know you you know you had some really good news uh you put out the last of 24 to 48 hours so uh we would like from here say congratulations um, for the you know the investment that Collective Shift received, and exactly. man, how how does it make you feel? <laughs> Honestly, it, uh, it it was a it was a big effort. Like it was pr primarily like my sort of last six months leading up into Christmas. Uh, sorry, yeah, from middle of last year leading up to Christmas was pure fundraising, and it, it is brutal. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you guys have raised you know capital at, at Blockstars, but man, like last year, it, and it got worse. Like it, it got harder and harder. Obviously, you had the declining crypto prices, you had confidence with investors declining, and then you had this like overarching macro uh, sort of recession inbound. Like you know, you just literally saw investors put their wallet and throw it away, right? So it was it was damn harder and harder. Uh, but yeah, it's really exciting. Like I'm really grateful for the investors back to us. So we've, we've raised our seed round now and that's really going to be help, able to help us continue to build out our platform and, and launch into new markets. Um, one of the deals we've just signed is with the Australian Open. So they have their AO Art Ball, the NFT. Uh, so basically they've just bought 6,000 memberships uh, from us. So basically each AO Art Ball holder gets a collective shift. Some memberships were basically helping tennis fans or bought into crypto, they get like this personalized learning experience that tennis fans can go like step by step on how to navigate NFTs, how to get your MetaMask set up, how to not get scammed, 
how to set up your portfolio, how to navigate it, etc., etc. So yeah, it's really cool. That's kind of the first big um, Web2 brand that we've signed on and hopefully a lot more to come this year and really uh, try to help, again, our mission to help everyday people navigate the space with confidence. Yeah. So what extent, I know you do educational stuff and you've touched on a few of the different topics you cover. Is it, would you say it's from all the way from beginners to intermediary? Do you cover trading, like investing, to setting up? Like what sort of education do you actually go through with them? Good question. It's predominantly beginner to intermediate. Yep. So uh, it's really our core demographic uh, tends to be people that maybe work, uh, you know, in finance or they have their own business or they're in property or they're already investing in assets and they want to get into crypto but need guidance to help them through that. So predominantly they'll have an idea about crypto. Maybe they already even own some, yep. but they need some sort of guidance into maybe how to start their portfolio, what is the market doing uh, on a weekly basis where they only need to spend half an hour a week to be up to date with what's going on. Then they might need some education about they want to get involved in DeFi, they want to use Uniswap to get this token, and you know that's all the stuff that we sort of cover. Um, and then on a daily basis, we have a team of six analysts. So uh, Checkmate is the leading uh, on-chain analyst at Glassnode, who works for us as well. We've got technical analysis, fundamental analysis. So we kind of give a 360 degree view with different opinions on the market to help someone navigate it. And I guess that's the core difference between maybe going to a YouTuber or an influencer is that they're gonna just have one opinion, whether it be right or wrong, that's, that's, that's absolutely fine. But what we do is sort of give you a different opinion with different strategies to help you make your own decision. Yeah. Ben, on that one, do you go into like um, educating people on the tokenomics, market cap, volume and stuff like that to give them that beginner lesson that a lot of people don't don't definitely. know from the starter? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So we've we've got a pretty uh, sort of structured beginners course for those people that want to go really in depth on the on the sort of you know zero to one side of the education. Then we also have individual resources, whether it be learning how token economics work learning how the market cap works, uh, you know, looking at supply mechanisms, looking at like what's well, the difference between different, you know, utility tokens, currency tokens, things like that. Because that's a big missing piece, I think, for a lot of investors coming into space and go, oh, our money looks cool, let's buy it. Or yeah. like, let's buy the FTX token. <laughs> or Grin. I think, what was it, Grin come out a few yeah, years Grin. ago where yeah. it was just highly inflationary and... It yeah, was... you look, at, look at some of these coins that have unlimited supply, you know, most of the percentage of the tokens is owned by the founders or VCs, and that was the actually that was that was one thing that really frustrated me and made me sad last year was like the mechanisms of VCs getting early into these tokens at a heavily discounted price. Yeah, and their vesting periods would literally be like at the point where it opens up to retail. So VCs are buying at eight cents. It comes out to retail at fourteen cents. VCs can then sell all their tokens at 14 cents for the retail to come in, the price will pump and then it just literally dump. VCs will walk yeah. away with all the money and retail will be holding with an empty bag. Yeah. And that just happened over and over and over and mm. over again last year. Um, so hopefully people can start to learn from that. We've been putting out a lot of stuff around that uh, to help our members and sort of our audience like navigate yeah. that because that's, it, it just, <laughs> you know, it, that's the world we live in, right? That people yeah. with money make more and people that don't, lose like it's kind of yeah it sucks yeah ben can you give us an idea of the the real process you followed from start to where you are now like how you got here what you did the sort of obstacles you had to deal with the challenges i know you've um, spoken about the last six months raising money was a challenge but 
What other challenges did you face along the way? Good <laughs> 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 uh, question. So the leading up in the collective shift, I was working for a, a, another crypto business called Nuggets News um, that some of you may know, but that that sort of ended pretty abruptly when the founder was, you know, doing some some stuff that you know I wasn't really aware about. That sort of uh, ended pretty pretty abruptly, and that was a really tough period of my life. Like it was something that you know I'd worked with him for a, a long time, and you know I probably would have spoken to him about a, you know him being my mentor and a lot of things, and, and for that to really blindside me, what went on really hurt. And then uh, you know I sort of had to salvage what we had at Collective Shift, salvage our team. You know, I had a team of you know we still do have a team of twelve or thirteen people, like salaries, livelihoods that you know, was sort of fall on my shoulders really quickly. Uh, and I hadn't really done content before then. You know, I hadn't been CEO for like a big company like that. Like I was sort of just thrown in the deep end. Um, so that was a really, really tough time. Um, and coming out of that, I learned a lot of lessons, right? Whether it be you know, PR lessons, legal lessons, you know, marketing yeah. lessons, like, you know, helping the team leadership, like how you navigate yeah. through, you know, periods like that was really difficult. So to come out with Collective Shift now, and, I mean, it has been difficult, right? The market is the way it is, and it is, you know, I've seen working crypto now in bull and bear periods, the bear market is extremely hard to, to not only grow, but just even to survive. Yeah. It's where a lot of businesses mm -hmm. go under. So for us, you know, remaining lean, you know, trying to cut back on, you know, where we can and, and, and still, you know, invest in areas that are going to make us grow, making those tough decisions strategically. Mm -hmm. You know, who's our product for? We can't be everything for everyone. Who are we going yeah. to have to sacrifice or what area of the business can we sacrifice to double down a different area? And that's only an educated guess, right? You never have all the answers. So, you know, it's it's been a great journey. I brought on um, one of my business partners, our Aaron Bergkubo, is a good mate of mine. He's probably been the biggest, uh, I guess, difference that I've made in my business. You know, as you guys probably know, having a great team really does help. So yeah. being able to build a really fantastic team now uh, has been really good. And, I think the other challenge as well is like going, I'm a naturally a bit of an introvert. You know, if you go back a year ago, I'd never spoken on podcasts, never done any, you know, spoken on stage, never done any, like I would be too scared to, you know, mm. do anything like that. So I've really had to force myself to to be more of the forefront because I think every business needs some sort of like public presence. And I know you guys are, you know, really ramping up your social media and I love what you guys are doing. I think that's really the, the right strategy, right? I think content is the variable of success. And like, I was like, righto, stop it. I'm going to have to you know, yeah. get out there and make this happen. So, you know, flew to the US. Uh, I spent three months over there. I did um, courses, went to public speaking training, spoke with a lot of mentors, mm -hmm. hired mentors to really learn how to do this game better. And it's been a huge learning experience for me. And I was really lucky to be invited to do a TEDx talk in September last year on, on crypto and digital assets, which was wow. probably one of the most challenging things I've done. Like that was six months build up. Um, there was a, it was a 12 minute talk I had to give with no presentation and a, no notes, no couldn't read off anything, had to be fully memorized and approved by Ted beforehand. Yeah. So, like, oh, <laughs> uh, so that was really tough. Well done. Uh, that had consumed me for a long time. All I could think about was this bloody speech. Yeah. Um, but really rewarding. So, yeah, mm. I mean, business is like, it, that's the game, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's the ups and downs. You sort of ride the wave. I just try and not take the lows too harshly and not take the highs too high, right? Try and sort of live in the means. Yeah. That's probably the, I found that, you know, it helps. No, I think this is a um, really cool. Uh, thank you for that, uh, Ben. I think that's, you know, I just want to talk about the, um, that I'm going to touch base on the journey, but before I want to go all the way back to the, uh, the investment part that you spoke about, right? Uh, you know, that's something that 
we one of our pillars here at Blockstars is the investment arm that we have. And over the last sort of 18 months, we have invested about 10 companies or so in the block, you know, Web3 space. And I think it's important to understand uh, and be aware as well. Self-awareness is huge um, because the same thing happened in dot-com. I don't, you know, you remember, Craig, right? Um, we, you know, I, I, I don't know how old are you, uh, Ben, maybe, you know, you're like, you know, maybe you were not even born back then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <I'm 24. laughs> right. Um, so in the, um, you know, in the 98, you know, to the uh, 2000 time, you know, like everything was like <laughs> pumping, right? Or the stocks and everyone want to go IPO yeah. and same, same things happening here. Right. Mm. And. And, you know, you know, we, you know, our founders, we've been in that dot-com space and what we, we did a big mistake of not going all in at that point, right? And then here we are after 20 years, after two decades, yeah. the same opportunity being present to us, right? Yeah. And what we decided in 2020 when we started Blockstars is we are going all in on this technology called blockchain, not on crypto or NFT, but on the blockchain so we made that pledge and since then it's you know we have been you know really helping other companies to you know bring them up on the you know through in this space because i think it's important um to look at how we can help uh, the projects how we can help other companies because some of the founders got awesome ideas right but they don't have the uh, the power behind them the mentorship or the funding or the strategic partnerships right for them to take their idea to the next level yeah. Yeah. you know as much as you the passion is there but i think the, you need the structure around it the system yeah. and um, so what we have you know done is we have done that over the last sort of you know i don't know two years and a little bit longer and it's when you and, and we notice that a lot of the invest very vcs uh when then the markets are you know the bear market for them they just you know like like you said you know they throw the wallet out where we have just given like we have been um i don't know we have been spending money like you know for investment and all those we've been like spending i don't know like a drunken sale at a bar you know <laughs> <laughs> uh, and 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 we know that it's for the next five ten years until we build the space right and people who stuck through uh the gutter during the dot com and look where they are now right uh, you know, we know some of the companies like, I don't know, PayPal, Amazon, and, yeah. you know, Google, and um, those companies, eBay. But there are like hundreds of other companies that we don't really hear, but they done very well, like, you know, two, three hundred million, you know, half, yeah. a, half a billion dollars. But we're hearing all these, you know, huge companies. And it's super important. And in your journey, um, Ben, uh, with regards to the um, investment, uh, for our listeners, can you please explain a little bit, extrapolate that, how did you get started, if you could, how you get started, what was the process like, what are the pain points are, please? Specifically around fundraising? Yes, or... yes, fundraising, yes. Yes, yeah. yeah, so I started to raise, I tried to start raising, what year is it, 2023, end of 2021, I tried to start to raise here in Australia, and I went to a few... VCs, I, I've never raised money before, I had no idea what I was doing. Went to a few VCs, the VCs got laughed out of the room. It was mm. terrible, my deck was terrible, the talk, the, the story was terrible, everything was just bad. And kind of got laughed out of the room, and after about 20 or 30 minutes, I'm like, okay, right, I don't know what I'm doing, this was bad, I need to go figure one out, <laughs> need to figure this out. 
so I went to uh, the US and I went to Texas and I went and started the Startup Accelerator. So I did, it was, it was specifically around fundraising. So it was called New Chip out of Austin, Texas, and it was uh, an online course I could do it back at home. Yep. And then I hired a couple of mentors specifically around fundraising. So I, I had uh, a guy that runs a VC firm uh, and also another angel investor. Mm -hmm. uh, brought them on as mentors, so I paid them to come on and help me figure out my deck, my story, and then who I was going to go and reach out in terms in, of, of investors. So I completely changed, and I read, uh, I can't remember the book now, but I read a book around you know, fundraising, and it completely changed the whole mentality I had around fundraising, you know. It went from this thing of like, you know, unstructured, you, you know, just talking at people that probably weren't ever going to invest, invest into us to begin with, that didn't have the information to like this, structured journey of storytelling and creating urgency and creating this uh, business that people wanted to invest in, not this like kind of semi-desperate, semi-like, who's this kid, what are they talking about? Does that make yep. sense? So like, yeah. as soon as I did that process, we spent three months reviewing everything and then went back to investors it was a game changer. And mm. that was where we, we brought in um, the, the Smorgan family, so one of the, uh, ah, yes. the biggest yeah. uh, family officers in, in Victoria. Yep. Luke, he's a member of ours. That was like the first awesome. sort of tipping point that we were able to gather momentum. Yep. Uh, we then had a VC firm over in, in San Francisco, r, r Capital, they're backed by JP Morgan, which was amazing to get them on board as well to get someone overseas. And those connections and conversations really happened when I was out in the trenches. Like I went to the US, I lived in the US for three months. I was in Singapore for a month. I went to Dubai for two months. And I was just literally just like in the trenches day after day meeting with investors, trying to get introductions, like grinding. Like it was mm. really hard. Yeah. You know, one VC conversation I had went for four months. I had nine conversations with them, due diligence, projections, numbers, everything. And they said no at the at the eleventh hour. <laughs> like it is it's soul destroying. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Any founder wanting to raise capital, it really is tough. Uh, but you know, if you have a, I think it's about having a good product and a good team to help uh, run the business while you're away. Because the reality is, like, you can't, you can't, you're not going to have the same time that you invested in the business if you're out there raising capital or doing it properly. And I found it's all about momentum. So if, as soon as I started to do, like half my time investing, half my time trying to run the business, and it just all falls to shit. Yeah. Because there'd be no momentum, conversation, I forget where I'm at, like, you know, mm. it just wasn't happening. I had to be fully focused on investing. I had an assistant that helped me, we had a CRM, and it was just like grinding day after day, meeting, conversations, texting, you know, co coffees, <laughs> uh, and just going hard. And then that's like, that's kind of the truth of it. Like, it was just hard work, honestly. Yeah. Um, and I, Hopefully, I don't have to do it again for a long time. <laughs> if you remember the name of that book, would you mind sharing it with us and our listeners? Yes, um, later course. on, obviously, yeah. not now. Yes, yeah, it's, that's uh, awesome. it's a yeah. practical book. It's written by a founder that's raised a bunch of money before, and he sort of just lays out step by step, yeah. uh, you know, how to do it. And I followed mm. that, and it was really a game changer. So, yeah, I'll, I'll share it with great. you. Guys Thanks so much. That's great. Um, so, um, based on that, Ben, if you had to give like three quick pointers to anyone who's looking at uh, raising funds, what would those three pointers be? Yeah, it's a good question. One, I think it's about 
in, if you're in crypto specifically, you need to have a product that people are using. So I've seen and met with a lot of founders and spoke to a crap load of investors mm. in the last year. And what I've heard from them is what made us unique was we had a product that people were using that loved it, that was generating revenue, and that had like a clear growth path. A lot of companies in crypto, whether it be NFT projects, blockchain projects, cryptocurrencies, whatever, is kind of like they might have this white paper. And gone are the days where you can just have a white paper yep. roll up and just launch a huge ICO and make a bunch of money, right? Like that, those days are over. Yep. There's so many projects out there now, you need to be unique. So I think it's having a good product that people are using, having some sort of product market. You don't need to have you know, explosive growth numbers and like, you know, crazy volumes, all this sort of stuff. You just need to have a product that people are using and people are loving and you there's a, there's a clear sort of journey or clear path to, mm. to growth. The other one is getting the story right. So I didn't have the story right when I first started. Investors love a good story. Like they need to know how this thing came about, who uses it. So for example, when I first started pitching Collective Shift, I came out talking about our features and the benefits and like the technical code that we use. And I realized not many investors really give a crap about that. What changed the game for us is when I came in, I started, I said, the first page of my deck was one of our customers. I said, this is, let's say the yeah. name Sam. This is Sam. This is Sam's problems. Mm. Sam then found Collective Shift and it sold all, all of her problems. And now this is her result. And there's millions of Sams out there and they're paying this much for it to get that solution. And this is how we solve her problem. Yeah. And this is why we do it. And then all of a sudden the, the investors go through this journey and like, oh, that makes so much sense. It's like, oh, right, yeah, I can see that. I'm probably a Sam. Cool, I'd use this product. Mm. Uh, and the first funny story, after the first time I yes. delivered that story, we closed a $200,000 US check in half an hour. And the first call <laughs> that half an hour later, they text me and said, we're in for 200 yep. <laughs> um, Story for sure, number two. Yep. And the third one I think is knowing who you want to invest in you. So for me, I didn't want to give up too much equity and I didn't want to have, and I didn't actually know this when I first started, but VCs, I had heard about it, but VCs mm. are really, I found, can be very difficult to work with. Some VCs mm -hmm. are very controlling. They want to have certain terms uh, in the in the fundraising. They're going to have voting rights, and they're going to be very like overarching. Yeah. You know, one of my core values as a, as a as a person is like freedom and ability to sort of you know navigate and do the things that I want to do with the business. And I didn't want to have someone looking over my shoulder at all times. It just not yeah. would make me happy. So that was a that was a real lesson. I probably spent a, too much time talking to VCs when really I probably didn't want them anyway. Um, mm. So like we went we went with the family office route, angel investors. Uh, we we do have a couple of VCs on board, but they yeah. were founder led. They weren't like right. these huge big conglomerate VC firms. So yeah, yeah that's the three. Yeah. Mm. Oh, awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. That's great, right? I mean, this is what it is. Like, a lot of people think of like going for the money, but they don't look at the other side of it. How much freedom mm. you have, like. End of the day, if you if, if this is your business, you want to run it how you want it because that, that's your baby, right? You don't want anyone. I mean, what's the point of being a CEO of a company like that? Any business that's going to succeed has the person driving it is ridiculously passionate, mm -hmm. and if you're passionate about it, you don't want to give it up. You're not just there to sell it or no. give away control. You're passionate about it, and want which to be is involved. what we've all spoken about. You'd invest in a person because of that person, yeah. even if that company fails I'm sure they're going to come up with another great company but they're a good person to be working yeah. with yeah they've got the right attitude and values morals 
And that's exactly, you just hit the nail on the head. They know how to pivot, whether that's from apparel to, you know, to Bitcoin. Even just pivoting the pitch that you're using, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's important to be that. It is, it is super important. So I just want to, uh, you know, we are getting close now. So I just want to touch base before we go. Um, ben, uh, I want to sort of bring this up because this is super important. Uh, Ridley from um, Artball or Australian Open Metaverse is heading that uh, division for uh, Tennis Australia. Um, he was really, you know, uh, giving roses to you uh, when myself and uh, Charlie met him. And you're like, okay, who's, you know, you know, what, what's going on? Because it's like an education, you know, you're doing collective shift education and Australian Open is a sports, traditional sporting body. What is the, you know, so I would like to really, you know, hear from you. Um, what was that collab was built on? Um, the personal relationship that you have with Ridley because Ridley is such a powerhouse in the space, right? He's doing so much great thing, innovative as well. And we had him on our podcast about maybe three or four podcasts ago. Yeah. And such a nice guy. And, you know, and hearing what, you know, he meant, you know, told us about you and your uh, mission in this process, we would love to hear what that collab, how did it started, and if you can tell us a little bit about that collab, that'd be fantastic. Yeah, that's a good question. I actually met Ridley in New York, of all places. I met him at <laughs> NFT NYC last year. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even know what I was going to. It was like the last day, and there was like this Australian meetup. I was like, okay, that's awesome. I'm going to go to the Australian meetup. We're having like Vegemite on toast this cafe. <laughs> an Australian cafe in Brooklyn. And then met Ridley and the agency Run It Wild that yes. is sort of creating the AOR board and met all those guys there. And that's kind of where it first started. Uh, so Sarah from um, Run It Wild, mm. I, I sort of you know started connecting with. And then Adam, the CEO of Run It Wild, which is the NFT agency. Uh, I spent a bit of time with him over in Dubai. He mm. recently moved to Dubai and I was over there at the same time. So we sort of hung out and started talking about some of the, 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 the opportunities, I guess, that were on the horizon and I guess one of the biggest problems for some of these Web2 brands coming into this space is they have a huge audience of people that don't know about crypto mm -hmm. but they have a product to sell to them. So educating those people is a huge task. So in fact like the AO guys last year tried to uh, educate their users at the time they were doing these videos it was just a huge headache, right? They are trying to create this content and had all these questions it was just like it was a, it was a bit of a nightmare for yeah. them. So what they've done this year is basically just being able to outsource that to us. Mm -hmm. So what we've done is integrated with the AO Artball uh, membership. So you can connect, I think it's gonna go live tomorrow. You can connect on our site through MetaMask. If you hold an AO ball, you'll get uh, a collective shift starter membership. And then that'll take you to this Australian Open tennis landing page. And basically we sort of go step-by-step step on the, a personalized learning journey for tennis fans to get into crypto. Or if you're already a bit of a crypto DJ, we have another area where you can go down and see some more advanced stuff, um, you know, research, portfolio structure stuff, um, some of our trends and uh, opportunities we're seeing for the, the coming year, et cetera. So yeah. it was probably a six month, you know, so I, I first saw them or met them middle of last year. So it's probably a six month journey uh, up until this point. But uh, yeah, it was really exciting. You know, I didn't even think it was really a B2B angle of that business until probably you know, six months ago. So. Yeah, really keen to explore more of that. We want to do more collaborations with different Web3 brands. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think there needs to be more of it, to be honest. I've yes. tweeted about this a fair bit. Like, I think mm -hmm. there's not enough 
collaborations and partnerships. I think there's too many people doing too many individual things where if we actually came together, we could be more united front and deliver more yep. value to people rather than trying to all compete with each other. So that's something we're really keen to, you know, develop mm-hmm. more this year. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's so cool. And that's, I think collaboration is like so huge. It's not just for the artists, but for businesses as well. The whole Web3 ecosystem, we can really do some collaborations and bring, I think end of the day, it's about adding value to the end users and what are they good. And that's how we should onboard uh, people onto this blockchain of decentralization, new technology, I think, you know, uh, not just by having like 100,000 projects, as you said, Ben, otherwise, you know, people will get rugged and burnt and yeah. mm-hmm. not enough power behind them. Yeah. You know, projects mm-hmm. can't keep up, you know. Um, yeah, that's awesome. I, I would always look at something that was a collab because, yeah. as you said, with the rugs and things like that, um, it's less likely that that will mm-hmm. happen because there's more than one party that party involved that are going to at least checks and balances on yeah. the other. Mm. So, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And I feel coming into the future, so many brands are going to be jumping into this space and they don't really know what they're doing or know everything and they need advice and collaborations and... Yeah, and their customers are going to need education as well. It's, yeah. And, well, and, yeah, and it's essentially like Australian them. Open, yes, we'll give them this NFT, you know, yep. the ball, but what do they do with it? How do they use it? What do they, yeah. how do they view it? What is this about? It's, it's very, very important. Very, very important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they have like really cool, um, AO had done, or Artball has built a few uh, collabs and that's fantastic. I mean, yeah. they really lifted the, you know, quite a few brands with them in this space yeah, which is yeah. fantastic yeah. i mean that's what you need from a given a traditional brand but they're still doing this amazing work so yeah. Yeah. yeah um ben can i just quickly ask i won't digress off the topic too much but how long does it take i know that you guys do daily um stuff with your analysts but how long would it take a person to work their way through the material that you provide the educational stuff you said half an hour a week but is that half an hour a week for the next three years or like what are we what are we talking <laughs> Like Depends if you're talking about my mum or somebody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so someone starting out from scratch, I mean, relatively fast. Like the, with, if they go through the beginners course, it's about three hours. They're pretty much going to get all the sort of foundational information. Oh. Um, but I guess where we're seeing more engagement on our platform is those that are already have an interest in crypto or, or are already in crypto. And then the half an hour a week is more around just keeping you up to date with what's going on. So mm. you can log in once a week and see some of the on-chain metrics for Bitcoin, what Bitcoin's doing. Um, you know, and also this year, like we were first to warn, uh, or sorry, we were early to warn our members on like FTX and UST uh, and also Celsius. So before all those platforms blew up, we actually had like a, a post out to our members to say, hey, get, get your funds off. We think this is, this is getting mm. pretty ugly. Uh, and that's, I guess, the half an hour. We say you uh, only need to use Collective Shift to navigate this space. So we're really about trying to simplify it, synthesizing everything, cutting out all the BS and just giving you what you need to know. So if you're already in crypto, it's probably half an hour a week. If you're more of a newbie, depends how much you want to invest, but I'll probably spend a few hours sort of getting getting familiar with some of the content and educational stuff. And then it's just a matter of how much you want to invest time-wise, really. Yeah. And so you should never finish learning. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. yeah, no. It can be more than three years. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm still doing it 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, mate, so just to uh, finish off um, the podcast, um, what's your vision and uh, mission uh, for Collective Shift um, going forward? Yeah, we, we want to help uh, at 
it really simple that we just want to help people navigate crypto safely and with confidence. That's the other thing, right? You can you can get into crypto, but you might not have any idea about what you're doing. So we really want to have a really simple, easy to use platform that anyone can use. Uh, and there's also a heap of stuff that's for free that you don't need to pay for. So anyone that wants to get started in crypto, whether it be Bitcoin, NFTs, whatever, they can use Collective Shift uh, and invest safely and not, uh, not, I guess, be affected by all the stuff that we've probably all gone through ourselves, right? We want to deliver the lessons that we've learned from the rug pulls, the scams, the bad projects, the bad investments, the bad exchanges, the bad storage, all that, deliver those lessons so new people coming into this space don't go through that same experience and we can grow this whole space. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. Awesome. It's been awesome. Mm. Yeah, I mean, like, on that note, I think we should... uh, Uh, I I, I have one more quick question. (laughs) All right. (laughs) You got in quick. I've enjoyed hearing, like, you know, the story and everything else, but... Over your entire journey, like in this space, what is the one thing that you know now that you wish you knew when you started? Mm. That's a good one. Mm. Besides what the price of Bitcoin is going to be. (laughs) (laughs) I think think there's a lot of... mm, That's a good question. Mm. There's a lot of talk. In, in Web3, a lot of people talk uh, and this doesn't reflect exactly what's being built on the back end. Yeah. So that comes back to trust. So if I was to go back and start crypto again, I would question more who I trust in this space and I would probably not give as much trust to those who I listen to so quickly because unfortunately there are people in this space that tend to uh, do things that probably aren't in my eyes, morally or ethically, right, mm-hmm. you know, and you know that you, you can you can take that in any way, shape, or form. But you know, I think for me personally, it's like I want to learn. I, I, I would have liked to learn probably a little bit more before following the advice of some people that, upon reflection, probably should have been giving that advice. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I think it's an easy trap to fall into, especially when you're first starting and trying to learn mm-hmm. as much as possible. Yeah. You're taking in every bit of information you can get. You've yeah. That, that's why what you're doing is so yeah. important because mm. it needs yeah. to come from a trusted source. Yeah, and I remember even back in like 18, 19, you know, there was quite 17, 18, 19. Um, a lot of YouTubers, a lot of people fall into the algorithm because they've got more <laughs> followers and more likes where yeah. they're not always the most honest. Yeah. You know, they're buying a bunch of tokens, promoting it to their, their viewers and then it pumps and they're dumping all their tokens and yeah. their rooms. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's still going on, right? Like, unfortunately, yeah. still goes on, the undisclosed stuff, and that's really sad. A lot of people get burned. Uh, and, yeah, I, I just think it's just questioning what the incentives are behind the person that's delivering that message. Just yeah. Yeah. question that. Yeah. It's I th- think you should always look at the person, not just the project. Yeah. I think yeah. like, I think that's why it's important. Just like even like just being docs is not enough anymore. Mm. You have to yeah. like, look, you know, okay, you have to give everyone a good, you know, chance to su- be successful, but same time you I think you have to be a little bit more cautious because at the end of the day this is your wealth that you are you know, playing with. It's yeah. not just anything else, you know. So um awesome. Um so just before we yeah um, <laughs> just to finish off, Ben, if you could share your socials, uh, website, podcast, whatever you want, mate, and let all the viewers see and yeah, they can jump on and come check it out. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd love that, guys. I, I'm trying to build up my socials a little bit, so you can find me on Twitter at, at BenSimpsonAU. I just post uh, about crypto business and I like personal growth stuff, maybe some sports stuff from time to time as well on my sports, so you can head over there. Um, and then I run a podcast with my head of product, Aaron. It's called The Ben and Berg Show, and we talk about, again, business, crypto, and, and sports, so you can head over there and check that out on, um, on the podcast. But thanks so much for having me, guys. It's been fun. I'm going to Gold Coast because I love it up there. <laughs> Just a holiday city. I love it. Uh, <laughs> Be happy to have you. <laughs> yeah, please come down yeah. one of these days and yeah, love to catch up in a here in Gold Coast. So. Course. If you're ever in Tassie, let me know. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. So, um, just to finish off, uh, so we're going to have our uh, meetup happening on the 7th of February as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this uh, meetup is a little bit different. It's yeah. a meetup slash uh, what uh, Ben just went through is about um, how we can uh, invest in your business as well. So, uh, we're going to have the information is going to come out over the next uh, few days. Friday uh, will be the first day out with all the information. Yeah. Um, so anyone uh, out there, if you've got a, a project, if you've got a um, business that you need help with in the uh, Web3 space, in the blockchain space, uh, please be prepared with your pitch decks and your uh, your pitch. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll release some information. Um, and yeah, so there is no uh, winners or losers. Uh, if there are good ideas, uh, we are all in. If there are 50 good ideas, we are pretty much will be looking at all 50 uh, of those projects and companies. So, um, and that's what we, this um, meetup is going to be about. So we want to give where, while others are running away, we really want to uh, go into the fire. I think that's where the magic happens. <laughs> so guys, uh, on that note, again, 7th of February, uh, happening in Gold Coast at the island. And all the information will be out uh, in the next couple of days or so. Um, on that note, thank you so much. And Ben, again, thank you so much for your time. I know you're a busy man. Um, a lot of things are happening. So thank you. Appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe.